couple things I need to explain to you before we get started here today. Um, you can go ahead and hit my first slide there. Uh, first of all, you see that things are different up here. And, and uh, people are probably wondering, why are we preaching from the stage now instead of down front? And, and basically, the, the only reason is because our crowds are bigger and, and people in the back can't see. So we're, we're up in the stage so people can see. And that, that's basically the only reason. Um, uh, with, with growth comes changes. And, and uh, we just really felt like we needed to be, um, not that we're trying to elevate ourselves or, or going to build like this uh, little uh, pulpit up high or anything like that, but uh, we're, we, we really felt like we needed to make a change so the people all the way throughout the auditorium can, can see. Second of all, this is the title of my sermon this morning, um, second of all, uh, don't forget the uh, prayer guides that, that Pastor Merle put together. Uh, they, there's some of them on the back table back here in the back of the auditorium for uh, last week, this week, and, and next week. Uh, week one is the weekly theme day of uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting, a revival. Uh, week two is breakthrough, and week three is, is uh, outreach. And, and each day on the prayer guides has a, has a scripture and a specific prayer focus. So I encourage you, you can download them from the church website. You can uh, grab them on the back table here. Uh, I think we sent out emails with attachments as well. So there's lots of different ways you could, you could access those. So be sure to get those. I think it's so powerful for us as a church family to be praying together along the same themes, along the same lines. And it's, it's uh, so exciting. To, to see how many people signed up to participate, especially teenagers and, and even children uh, who, who are fasting from different things. So really, really exciting. I'm really excited to see what, what God is going to do in our personal lives, in our church, in our community through this, through this time. So some of you have been, have been praying and fasting this week, and, and I never realized how many commercials on TV had to do with food. I don't know if you noticed it this week, but my goodness, they had the Pizza Hut commercials, and they had the Ruby Tuesday commercials, and they had the, the, uh, the ribs there with nice barbecue sauce on them, and the, and the wings, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is hard, you know. But, but we really believe that that pressing into God is, is going to produce good fruit. And, and like Brian said, I really want to encourage you not to give up, to keep going. If you forgot to start last week, you can start today. You can start tomorrow. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> People are punching their husbands. Uh, so you can, you can get started. You can get started today or tomorrow. It's not too late. Uh, so I just want to encourage you in that uh, as well. So today I'm focusing on, ironically, what are you hungry for? And if you have your Bibles, We'll have the scriptures on the screen as well. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 25. This is the story of the twin boys in the Old Testament, uh, twin boys named Jacob and Esau. And, and some of you remember your, your Bible story history that God called this man named Abraham. And, and God said to Abraham, I'm going to make from you a great nation and not only that, but through you, Abraham, and all your descendants, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed because of you. And so 
all nations, that means us today right here. Are we blessed because of Abraham's family? We are because Jesus came from Abraham's family, right? So we are blessed because of Abraham's family. And so God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you great. You're going to have a great nation. And all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed because of you. And, and then Abraham had just one son. His name was Isaac. And then Isaac had twin sons, and their names were Jacob and Esau. And if you read Genesis chapter 25, you realize pretty quickly when you read about these twin boys that they probably weren't identical twins. Uh, some of you uh, are twins or, or know people who are twins. And, and the Bible talks about these twin boys and, and talks more about how different than they were than how similar they were. Because the, the, the Bible describes them, the first one, Esau, uh, who was born, was, the Bible said he was red, he, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. Now picture this baby. Uh, he was red, he looked, he, his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau, which may have meant hairy, or that he was, he was red. Um, and then the second baby, uh, Jacob was was born, and he came out grasping his brother's heel, and so he was named Jacob, which means he grasped the heel. and And the Bible says the boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter. We have any hunters here today? All right, he was a skillful hunter. Esau, he he was a man of the open country. He liked to be out there. He was a man of adventure. And, and Jacob was a quiet man who stayed among the tents. So they were completely different. And so today's story starts in, in uh, Genesis 25 and verse, and verse 29, the scriptures. One day, Jacob was cooking a stew. This is from the, uh, the message translation. One day, Jacob was cooking a stew, and Esau came in from the field starved. And Esau said to Jacob, give me some of that red stew. I'm starved. That's how he came to be called Edom, red. And Jacob said, make me a trade, my stew, for your rights as the firstborn. And Esau said, I'm starving. What good is a birthright if I'm dead? And Jacob said, first, you swear to me. And he did it on oath. Esau traded away his rights as the firstborn. And Jacob gave him bread and the stew of lentils. He ate and drank and got up and left. And that's how Esau shrugged off his rights as the firstborn. Now, we in today's families probably don't understand how that worked in Bible times back then. The birthright was, what, there were two things about it. Uh, first, it included a double portion of the inheritance from the father. So right away, as, as the firstborn, he was entitled to, to a double portion. And secondly, included a special ceremonial, ceremonial blessing from the father that no one else received. He got the special blessing. And, and it was the natural pri privilege of the firstborn receiving this, this birthright. He became the head of the family. He would have charge of the family. He would have charge of the family property. It's sort of like the, uh, 
you know, like like the Godfather. He's he's the one that everyone comes to and asks permission, and he's the one who directs everyone, and he's he's like the the one who who's in charge. Uh, he'd be responsible for the welfare of of his siblings. He'd be responsible for widows and unmarried daughters, and 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 he would have authority over other members of the family, and and so. Many people look back and regard Esau as being just completely foolish for trading away this amazing, lifelong blessing just for a simple bowl of stew. And Esau said, well, what good is it, a birthright, if I'm going to die of starvation? Well, he probably wasn't going to die of starvation right there on the spot. He probably could have lasted another 10 or 20 minutes. Uh, but he, he traded it away uh, for a bowl of stew. And, and surely he was aware of the blessings that Abraham had received from God. Uh, and, and he decided to give in to temporary hunger pains over the permanent blessings that he could have received. Now, anyone recognize this fellow? Anyone know his name? Prince William. He is Prince William. He is the Duke of Cambridge. He's a member of the British royal family. He's the oldest son of Prince Charles, and he is second in line to the throne of England, right? Yeah, second in line. And just picture this with me. Imagine. Anyone got any imagination this morning? Picture this. Prince William stops at your house while you're having a cookout. And, and he stops and he walks to, the, to your patio where the grill is going and Prince William says, wow, that smells wonderful. I'm not going to try British accents. Americans trying British accents just don't work. Wow, that smells wonderful. I smell those ribs on there, I smell those steaks on there, I smell those sausages you got on there, those grillers. That's amazing. That smells wonderful. And Prince William says, you know, if you could give me some of that food, I really don't care about being a prince anymore. I don't care about being second in line to the throne anymore. I don't want a life of, of power and prestige and, and luxury. Just give me some of those ribs and, and I'll trade it all away to you. Does that sound pretty crazy? Yeah, it sounds pretty crazy. But that's uh, a bit what Esau also did in his life. It, it was very much like what Esau did in giving that birthright to Jacob is what Prince William stopping at your house and giving up all that he is and all that he had to you for just a little bit of food. So we asked the question, and if you're, uh, hopefully you've uh, got some of the um, uh, orange sheets, the sermon outlines. <laughs> uh, so if you missed some, there, there are some still on the back table, the sermon outlines. I forgot to, forgot to mention those this morning. But you can follow along on the sermon outline. And so the one question we asked this morning is, what is important in life? Because it's obvious that Esau didn't choose wisely. He didn't choose something that was important. And, and we realized that, that there are, you know, some things are more important in life than others, basically. 
there's a spiritual world in operation around us that is of much greater importance than the physical world we focus on every day. And that's, uh, we're gonna, that's what we're pressing into in our prayer and fasting is pressing into God, pressing into relationship with God. And that there's a spiritual world around us that is much more important than just the food we eat every day, than the physical world. So how do these worlds, spiritual world, physical world, how do these worlds, how are they different? Well, often the spiritual world, the physical world is visible. It's things we can see. And the spiritual world is often invisible. It's things that, that we're not able to see. Sometimes we do see God breaking through into our world. We see, we see healings. We see miracles. We see God at work. God gives prophetic words. God speaks, and, and we know God's presence is here. So we see God breaking through in, in, uh, from the spiritual world into the physical world. But many times it's, it's often invisible. And then the physical world is, is often very temporary. Like things don't last forever in our world here while the spiritual world is, is eternal. And so 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, these are the same verses but two different translations. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And the message says, I like this, these hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. You can remember that while you're fasting. <laughs> these hard times are small potatoes. <laughs> There's a lavish celebration com coming for you after you're done fasting. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see will last forever. That's what Apostle Paul says. So the world around us might say that nothing lasts what? Nothing lasts forever. People around you might say. There's nothing sure but death and taxes. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing lasts forever. There's nothing sure but death and taxes. I was praying and, and thinking about this. I'm not sure if God gave me this or not. <laughs> but, but in 1977, the, the rock band Kansas sang a song called Dust in the Wind. Anyone remember that? And some of the words to this really depressing song, <laughs> Dust in the Wind, nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky, and all we are is dust in the wind. It's like, oh, my goodness, how depressing. The song speaks to the belief that life is just futility, that you are soon gone, you're blowing away like dust, and nothing is permanent, but that's just not true, is it? Christians, we believe that's not true, right? Right. Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, the richest man the world had ever seen, got to the end of his life, and, and realized that all he had pursued, riches and fame and, and pleasure and knowledge and all that he'd gotten, he realized that it was just completely meaningless. He uses that word a lot in, in Ecclesiastes. Meaningless, meaningless. He gets to the end of his life and he realized all he'd pursued was, was meaningless. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, his old age, he writes that life and all its striving and work 
and all the things he was pursuing and all the things he wanted and all the things he was running for and all the things he was trying to get and hang on to was really just meaningless pleasure and knowledge and riches and all the things he was wanting were were meaningless. Ecclesiastes 12, he writes at the end of the book, regarding anything beyond this, dear friend, this is the message, go easy, there's no end to the publishing of books and constant study, wears you out, so you're no good for anything else. But the last and final word is this, this is the, the, the final answer to Ecclesiastes, fear God and do what he tells you. That's, that's, Ecclesia, that's Solomon in Ecclesiastes, that's his final conclusion to all of life. Just fear God and do what he tells you to do. So that, that's all that matters. So is life just dust in the wind? What are, what are these things that we can't see? The spiritual world, what are these things that we can't see that will last forever? Well, God lasts forever, right? He always was, always will be. Each of us has a spirit that lives on in eternity when our bodies die. And there's this unseen world around us of, of, of spirits, of angels, of Satan, of, of demons that live on. And not only does, does God last forever, but his traits and his character and his word, his gifts last forever. Most, most people live totally focused on this natural world, the world of trees and, and houses and, and our jobs. And we live totally focused on this natural world, ignoring the spiritual world that's very much in operation around us. Because there are angels and demons existing in the spirit world around us, and they are actively concerned about the affairs of our lives here in the physical world. And, and when you're going through your day, there is an unseen spirit world and, uh, and an unseen war often going on over your head for, for your family and your school and your, and your town and your nation. And each one of us has a, has a physical body. Brian referred to these last Sunday. Each one of us has a physical body. Each one of us has a mind and will and emotions, what we call the, the soul. And then each one of us has a spirit. This is like the essential, essential part of you, the part of you that lives on after you die. And because God is spirit, this is also the part of you that, that communicates and connects with God. So we're body, we're soul, we're spirit, and you really can't tear those apart. We are, we are that. And so, so some people only see this, the natural world and think that that's all there is. But a Christian knows there is God, there is a spiritual world, and, and that we have spirits that are ongoing and eternal. So a Christian begins to think and pray for and expect to see God's kingdom break through into our natural world. And, and the person who only sees the natural world, there are some laws and things that they expect to happen. 
like like the law of death. Like everyone's going to die at some point. And that that's a natural law. That's all and, and some people think that's all there is. We we die and, and that's all there is. But the Christian knows that that as a spiritual love through Jesus and the spiritual world, there's a law of resurrection that 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 uh, counteracts that law of death. And so in the natural world, there's this law of death. But in the spiritual world, in the world of God, there is a law of resurrection. And, and Jesus proved that. In, in the natural world, there's this law of sickness and disease. But in, in, the, in the spiritual world, there's this law of, of health and, and divine healing and, and wholeness that, that God supplies. So a Christian's thinking begins to shift away from just thinking naturally and what my eyes can see to realizing that God is at work around us and in the world around us there are angels uh, fighting fighting on our behalf around us. And, and we begin to think in a spiritual way instead of just a, a natural way. And, and so one example is, uh, uh, is uh, the time when Jesus hears that his friend Lazarus is sick and Jesus doesn't go running off to Lazarus as soon as he hears that he is sick, but he delays, and he tells the disciples that, that Lazarus is asleep, meaning he died, but the disciples thought he was sleeping, and he tells them he wants to go and wake Lazarus from his sleep, and finally Jesus has to tell them plainly, look, Lazarus really has, has died, and we're going, going there um, to, to wake him. Uh, and he gets to the town where they live, to the house where they lived, and, and Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, they had sort of an attitude when, when Jesus got there because they were, they were looking at life through natural laws. This was the law of death, and, and they were upset and grieving, and they said he'd been dead for four days. But Jesus said, look, I, I've come to apply a, a spiritual law here, and it's the law of it's the law of resurrection. And what did Jesus do? He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out walking out of that, out of that grave, out of that tomb. Resurrection happened. A spiritual law was put into place. And so there are lots of ways that we begin to act and turn from just thinking naturally to begin thinking and acting in a spiritual way. And, and the very first and basic one is believing in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The Bible calls it being born again. And, and Jesus was talking to this guy Nicodemus and says, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus says, that doesn't make any sense. I'm a grown man. How can I be born again? That's impossible. And Jesus said, it is it is possible that, that you're, let's turn to John chapter 4. Let's read it. I want to get this right. Jesus says, Jan, John 3 and verse 5. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it was with everyone born of the Spirit. So Jesus is talking about new birth 
and new life inside of us, not being born again physically, but being born again spiritually. And so when we're born again, God takes this this spirit that's inside of us that's filled with sin and, and filled with crud and filled with junk and, and filled with sin, and, and he brings new life into it. He gives us a new spirit, and he gives us a new self, and he gives us a, a new life. And so it's like, it's like we're a whole new person. It's like we're, we're born a second time, and, and, and that's what really what it means to be, to be born again. It's a spiritual act in the, in the spiritual world. And so my spirit's slavery to sin is broken, and God's spirit comes to live in, in my spirit. And, and God changes my highest desire finally is to to love God and to serve him and my life just totally turns around and all these examples of things that we do in the spirit world people would look at it and say that doesn't make any sense in the natural it doesn't to talk about being born again in the natural that makes no sense whatsoever but when when we think about God it does make sense to pray doesn't make much sense does it cuz we can't see to whom we're praying normally, but we believe that God hears. God promises that he hears our prayers. Being baptized in water, going down into the water, just like Jesus was buried, and we come up out of the water as a new person, just as Jesus was raised from the dead. Doesn't make much sense if you look at it naturally, but it makes sense spiritually, doesn't it? Asking God for his Holy Spirit. You can't see Holy Spirit coming into a person but we believe and we know that God promises, if you ask, I will give you good things when you ask, including my Holy Spirit. Tithing and giving. It don't make much sense uh, uh, when you look at it physically, does it? Because you're, you're giving out. You're giving out. And, and we believe it's a spiritual act in which God blesses us because of our obedience and, and faithfulness. Fasting. <laughs> Fasting is a spiritual act, and, and it doesn't make much sense. People would look at you in the natural world and say, that's ridiculous. You're just going without food. You're going without coffee for a whole week. How dare you? And, and uh, you, you uh, are, are giving up chocolate for three weeks. Oh, my goodness. And, and it doesn't make much sense in the natural world. But in the spirit world, we are, we are stepping back from something so we can get closer to God. Praying for a miracle, praying for a healing. Um, all these things are spiritual activities. And, and you look at them naturally and you say, that, that's silly, that's ridiculous. Uh, baptism's just getting wet. Uh, uh, all, these, all these things don't make much sense. And they don't in the natural world. They're meaningless or silly or, or foolish. But looked at through the spirit world, these activities transform people's lives and release God's power and connect us with God in, in brand new ways. And so, as, as we've been saying, the purpose of, of fasting is coming closer to God, stepping back from one natural thing so I can grow closer to him in, in my spiritual life. And, you know, sometimes I think we find, maybe some of, some of you found this week, that we're ruled actually ruled, chained by physical stuff. Because we all have appetites for things. And when it's a good or natural appetite, it's not wrong to satisfy that. God creates us with appetites. But 
we give in to sinning against God when we're ruled by natural appetites. And some of you may have found this past week that, that your life was ruled by appetites. And some of you found you were controlled by food or other things. And so I, I think my main point here this morning is that you would stir up a hunger for God more than anything else. Yeah, maybe you're hungry for pancakes today. That's okay. But but that you would stir up, that you would stir up, and we'll, we want to pray to do that this morning, that we'd stir up in ourselves, in our spirits, a deeper and more desperate hunger for God himself. And, and Jesus said, Matthew 5, wow, that's really tiny. Sorry, I made it so small. Matthew 5 and verse 6, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. Uh, this is the, the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are you when you, you're blessed when you worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. Amen. Matthew 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So Jesus did this too, not just you. And the tempter came, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And John 4, 34, Jesus said, The food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work he started. And so real food is knowing God. Real food is doing God's will. Real food is feeding on God's word. And so you, you have one life to live. There, there aren't any do-overs. The, Bi the Bible doesn't teach you'll come back as a rabbit or a cow or another person. You have one life, and, and your spirit will live on after you die. It's in heaven or hell. And I, I encourage you this morning, would you choose the eternal over the temporary? Would you choose satisfaction in God? Would you choose not just to walk in the natural world around you, but relate more deeply to God in the spiritual world? Food can't really satisfy that deep hunger that, that's inside of each of us. All the toys in the world, all the money in the world can't satisfy that deep hunger that's inside of you. It's only God who satisfies those deep desires of your heart and your soul and your life. So I, I find I often have to ask God to fill me with his spirit, fill me with his Holy Spirit. I need, I need God's wisdom. I need uh, God's direction. I need to hear God's voice. I, I need to know what, what he's saying for me and my family and our church here. Uh, and he promises to give us good gifts when, when we ask. So this morning, maybe you're hungry for food or maybe you're hungry for something else you gave up. And, and I encourage you, let that hunger remind you to stir up that, that hunger for God this week. And we're going we're gonna to have a time of ministry here and we're going to uh, pray for anyone who'd just like to receive a, a new filling of, of uh, Holy Spirit or, or needs the presence of God. So, well, I think you're...
Yeah, um, just, um, you know, I thought we would, uh, you know, the prayer ministers would come, but just as we're kind of all together seeking the Lord, you know, it's January, we probably don't have a bunch of space to places to rush off to. Maybe we can just take a few minutes, and uh, I don't know, Mark, would you be willing to come front and pray here? Doesn't mean you're repenting of some dark sin. Let's just, I just want to invite you to come front here and pray, and just, just spend a few minutes, or stay in your seat, or whatever, but... Uh, uh, if you want to just come front and kneel, and uh, if you need specific prayer, you know, the, prayer, the Alan and Merle and the other prayer ministers will be here. But uh, uh, just let's just for a few minutes just express that hunger, whatever that's like. Maybe there's a certain breakthrough you're believing for, for, you know, go for it. You know, God can meet you at your seat, but also it demonstrates a little bit, too, when you come, you know, that you're hungry and you're coming to the front. So just as ever you're feeling led, just let's just front pray in Jesus name you're welcome all those that are hungry in Jesus name